Welcome to Christian Faith Center. We're a church that meets in multiple locations. If you'd like to know more about our church, just head to our website, experiencecfc.com. Thanks for joining us. Hey, it is so good to be back with you and, uh, and even just back in the valley. Um, Want to give a shout out to everybody. Thank you for praying. Uh, Man Camp 2023 was a huge success. And uh, we just had an incredible time with the men of CFC. We've got about 100 of our guys from here up on the mountain still. And so keep praying that God brings them all home safe. But we had such a great time and uh, preaching up at over 6,000 foot elevation and just preaching my guts out up there. I'm just thankful to be here, to be awake, to have a voice. Come on, somebody. It's, uh, it was just so good, though. You know, I, I absolutely, Christian Faith Center, men are such a priority. You know, you, you build a man, you'll build a family. Come on, somebody. You reach a man, you'll reach a family. Men are important. Men, you are a vital part of God's plan. You are vital to the church. You are vital to God's purpose in the world. And so we unashamedly um, believe in building up men in Christ here at Christian Faith Center. So it was an awesome camp. Can't, already can't wait for next year. And uh, we just saw God move in a powerful, powerful way. Many men making decisions to live for God, very personal and powerful decisions for the Lord. So it's been so great. And church, I have missed you. It's so good to be back with you. And uh, I've been out for a few Sundays. Uh, We've been taking some family vacation and we've had our youth camps and conferences. And so I've I've not been here on a Sunday, but I've been all over preaching and ministering to our church. And we have just seen God do an amazing thing from our our kids, to our teenagers, to the men of our church. I'm going to just thankful for all God is doing at Christian Faith Center. Isn't it amazing to know that God is moving so powerfully in his church? Well, I want you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm chapter 119. Psalm 119. I've got a message I, I cannot wait to get into your heart and uh, something I, I've really been chewing on uh, for the last couple of weeks. I, I think Every pastor, um, if you have a good pastor, come on, you get, you get an obligatory, you got to read your Bible message at least once a year. Come on. Um, because the word of God is so vital. It's so important to each and every one of us. And through the summer, we've been spending the summer in the Psalms. We've been in a series called Summer in the Psalms. We are reading through it together as a church family. And really our heart is that we would be spending more time, devoted time in the word of God, letting it get into our life. And the psalmist writes in Psalm 119, he says something very important and powerful to us that goes far beyond the just get into your Bible and read your Bible. And that's really my prayer today is that we catch the heart of the scripture here and the heart of the psalmist to go beyond just reading the scripture, but letting the scripture get down into our lives in a way that is powerful and transformative. And so I wanna read this together, we're gonna pray, and I'm gonna dive right into this message that the Lord's put in my heart today. So Psalm 119, I've given you all the time I can. Come on, starting in verse nine, let's read through it together. We'll throw it on the screens for you as well. But the Bible says this, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I think this is true for everybody, but let that be a word uh, to all the young folks in the house. And let's just, you can define young for yourself. All right. If you're feeling young, grab that one for you today. Uh, But I want you to really catch uh, verse 10 and 11. They are such a powerful picture of how the psalmist is approaching God's word. Listen to what he says in verse 10. He says, I have tried so hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word into my heart. I've hidden it in there that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. Now look at all the action words here. I I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. For I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given to us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as riches. I will study your commandments and I will reflect on your ways and I will delight in your decrees and I will not forget your word. 
Would you pray with me? And let's ask the Lord to prepare our hearts for his word. Father, I love you so much, and I thank you right now, God, in Jesus' name. For these next few moments, I thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful. It always does what you want it to do. I pray that you would take just the next few moments and that our hearts would be ready, God, to receive what you have to say to us today. May your word be powerful. May you create a hunger in us for your word in a way, God, that would, that would go from here to our everyday life. May today transform our Monday through Friday, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. 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 Hey, I want to give us just a handful of things, and I want to encourage you to write these down. Because the psalmist gives us this picture of going far beyond just reading the Bible. He gives us this picture of hiding the Word of God inside of our hearts. And and he doesn't say, I just want to hide it, but I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He's saying that I've, I've allowed the word of God to do such a work in me. I've, I've put the word of God in my life that it actually is changing the way that I live my life. My life is different. My actions are different. My thoughts, my actions, my, my, the way I'm processing and living my life is different because of the way I am handling the word of God. He doesn't say, he doesn't say that you've hidden your word in my heart. He says, I've hidden your word in my heart. There's personal ownership of this process of taking what God has said and getting it into our hearts and in our lives in a way that was transformative for him. And so I want to spend a little bit of time processing that idea. How is it that we can go from being a person that, you know, spends a couple of minutes just reading a few verses or, you know, just jumps on you version and spends 19 seconds reading the verse of the day, punches the, you know, I'm a good Christian card and walks away from that. But how can we go from that to hiding God's word inside of our life in a way that's transformative to the way we live our life? This is what the psalmist is reciting to us, is this process of loving and interacting with the word of God in a way that brought transformation to his life. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want out of my relationship with God. That's what I want out of my relationship with God's word. I want it to be transformative and, and, and ever-changing the way that, that I live until my life looks more like Jesus. If you're with me, shout amen. So I want to give you a handful of things. First of all, this is going to sound uh, kind of like a no-duh, but I want to unpack it for a minute because if we're going to hide the Word of God in our heart, number one, we've got to read the Word. Amen. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I told you you were going to get one of those obligatory pastor moments that y'all got to read your Bible. But can I just say... That in order for something to get into our heart, it has to first get into our mind. We have to actually take the time to get in. What is hidden in our hearts is first received in our minds. It's a simple yet powerful truth that unless we spend the time getting God's word in our life through reading it, we're never going to be impacted by it. We won't be impacted by the word of God that we do not read. Now listen, Bible reading is something many Christians struggle with. Matter of fact... 29% of all Americans today have never read the Bible. Just let that sink in for a second. 29%. It used to be that everybody had read the Bible at some point. I mean, at least you went over to grandma's house and she had the 95 pounder on the, on the table there that doubled as a household protection device. Like you kill somebody with that thing. I will take your head off with the word of God. If you, you break in, you're going down, yeah. right? It doubled as a weapon, a boat anchor, a decorative thing. Yeah. It was probably King James too. So as a kid, you scrolled through it and you read a few things you didn't really understand, but you knew it was the Bible and, you know, it looked like it was from the 1700s. So you didn't mess with it too much, but at least you'd read a page or so. Yeah. Now, it is not uncommon for me to lead someone to the Lord and give a, a, a man or woman in their 30s or even 40s a Bible for the very first time. There are a third of America has never read the Bible at all. And 32% of Christians reported all the way back in 2016, 32% of Christians reported that they read their Bible every day. Just a little over or just a little under a third of Christians reported reading their Bible every day. Now, in 2022, there was an organization that did another study of Christians in America, and they found that by 2022, so from 2016 to 2022, that number of professing Jesus followers had dropped from 32% to 10%. 
10% of followers of Jesus read their Bible every single day, just 10%. Now, this is, this is kind of a staggering deal when you realize that this is God's word we're talking about. Right? Like this is God's word to us. And when we want to have God's word in our heart, we want to know what God is doing. We want to know what God is saying to each and every one of us. And yet, if you really look at it, most Christians are not, are not reading their Bible on a daily basis. They're just not. Uh, um, I, about 61% of Christians, 61% of Christians um, have read their Bible all the way through from Genesis to the maps. I was, so about over half of Christians have read their Bible, but the thing that really troubled me is that only 10% of believers are reading their Bibles on a daily basis. Now, I was listening to a pastor. I spend a lot of time uh, working with other pastors. I have a real passion to build up pastors and leaders. I believe if you can impact pastors, you can bring transformation to the body of Christ. And I was listening to this pastor and he was talking about some time he spent with some pastors in China. And he was dealing with this group of pastors and he was training them and, and, and processing some things with them. And he noticed that when these pastors showed up to meet with him, that these pastors didn't bring a Bible. And so he was kind of, you know, a little, little interested in what, you know, why they wouldn't show up with the scripture. But as he is reading the Bible to them, he could see that some of them were actually quoting the scripture. They were whispering the scripture underneath their, uh, you know, underneath their breath as he's reading them the Bible. And so he stopped and he said, hey, you know, I, I noticed you guys aren't reading your Bible, but I can, I can hear you reciting the scriptures that I'm reading. And he says, he says how, how is it that you're doing that? And he said, they said, well, we've memorized it. He said, you memorized it. Like how much of the Bible have you memorized? And most of them had memorized most of the New Testament. And he said, well, well how, why, why and how is it that you memorized the Bible? And he said, well, they, they said, well, we do it in prison. The average pastor in China has done about five years in prison for preaching and teaching the word of God. As a matter of fact, the communist government in China right now is rewriting the Bible and all other ancient religious texts. They're even rewriting the Quran and they're rewriting all of these ancient religious texts, including the Holy Bible. They're rewriting it to fit the communist agenda and ideology in their country. And so they're modifying the Bible and it's, it's becoming illegal to actually have the real Bible you can only have a modified version that has been approved by the government religious council of the Communist Party in China. And so um, even before they have rewritten all of that, it was illegal for them to possess the Bible, especially while they were in prison. And so in prison, they would smuggle in one page at a time and they would fold it really small and they would pass it between each other and they would memorize entire pages of the Bible. And so they're telling him all this, that we would memorize it and we would get it into our hearts. And here's what they said. They said, we came to the conclusion, pastor, that if we memorized the Bible, then when they took it from us, they couldn't take it out of our hearts. They could take the page, but they can't take the word because we got it inside of us. And so they, they brought all these Bibles and they gave these pastors. These are pastors. At one point, he stopped the meeting and he said, how many people do the people in this room oversee? And they estimated that just the leaders in that room oversaw about 5 million Chinese Christians. And some of these pastors did not even have a full copy of the Bible. And so they're breaking out the Bible and these pastors are crying and they're weeping and they said, we've never had a whole one before. Yeah. And at the very end of this, he says, they stopped and they said, pastor, would you pray for us? Because we so look up to you pastors in the West. Would you pray with us? We want you to pray that, you, that, that we would become more like you guys. And he said, absolutely not. I will not pray that prayer. And they were shocked. They said, well, why not? Why wouldn't you pray for us? And he said, because where I come from, we all have uh, uh, six or seven Bibles and we don't even read them. Where I come from, if the AC doesn't turn on in the building, the church won't show up. Where I come from, if you have to drive more than 15 miles, nobody will come to church. But you guys have spent four hours, many of you on a train, risking imprisonment just to be here to grow in your leadership for the sake of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. 
And he said, I don't want to pray for you that you'd be more like us. I'm going to ask that you would pray for me that we and I would become more like you. That there would be a reawakening of the privilege and the power of having the word of God in our lives and in our hearts. See, it's so important that we have God's word in our lives and in our hearts. Because not only, not only is it so vital and a privilege, but friends, it helps us to know who God is and what God actually wants us to do. You know, it breaks my heart when people, you know, a lot of people say this about God. Well, you never know with God. It seems to be like a common slogan. Well, you never know what God's going to do. You never know how God's going to move in that thing. And you know, I would beg to differ. I would say you almost always know what God's going to do. You almost always know how God's going to act. You almost always know what God would have to say about a circumstance or, a, or an idea or a way of living or something else. You know why? Because God has given us his word. It's been revealed to us. Even Jesus, when he was being attacked by the devil himself, he didn't stop and go, well, let me consult the father because, you know, I'm just not really sure what he wants to do about what you're doing to me right now. Jesus stopped playing his day and he confronted the devil with one thing. He said, it is written. That's what Jesus said. It is written. It is. He quoted the word of God to the devil himself. Jesus understood that the word and the will and the ways of God even then had been delivered to us in the form of the written word of God. Friends, if you want to know what God has to say about something, it is written. There's very few mysteries in God. Are there mysteries? Absolutely. Does God always do what we think he should do? Absolutely not. But you know what God always does do? He performs his word. And so if you want to know what God has to say about your family, about your future, about who you are, about how you are to live, you can go straight to the written word of God and go, it is written. I don't have to wonder if God wants me to be, I don't have to wonder if God wants my life to be blessed. I don't have to wonder if God wants my children to serve the Lord. I don't have to wonder if God wants my marriage to make it. I don't have to wonder if God wants me to live free and not bound by addiction. I don't have to wonder if God wants to prosper my life. I can go straight to the word of God and I can say, it is written. My God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. May one generation proclaim your works to another generation. It's written all in here. If you want to know what God has to say, you just need to go to what is written. And listen, I love, I love the word of God, and I love the prophetic word of God. I love when God speaks either to his people directly or through a, a prophetic voice. I love that. I, I love to prophesy over people. I, I have many prophetic words that I hold on to. But can I just say we're coming into a generation as the body of Christ where we're more concerned about what a prophet had to say at a conference or what your favorite person had to say on TikTok to, than, what the, than what the Bible already said to you. Amen. We're so hung up on what God might say that we've forgotten that God already said a lot about every single circumstance we'll go through in life. We don't want to be so hung up on what God might say that we forget that God already did say something and he will perform his word. You can stand on the word of God. And in order to know it, you've got to get into the word of God. Don't get frustrated when you can't hear what God might say. Just go to what God did say and you can stand on that. You can stand on the fact that God will perform his word in your life. It's right there. And we take it for granted so many times. We need God's word in our life to build up our faith as followers of Jesus. You know, the great D.L. Moody, he's, rec he's uh, recorded as saying this. He said, I, I prayed and I asked the Lord for faith. And I thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith did not seem to come. One day I read the 10th chapter of Romans. Now faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He said, I had closed my Bible and I had prayed for faith. Now I opened my Bible and began to study and faith has been growing ever since. The word of God is able to build up your life. We need to get in it and read it. But more than that, I want you to write this down. Number two, you need to reflect on the word. You need to reflect on the word of God. We want to go farther than just reading God's word. We want to reflect on God's word. Listen, I'm not saying it's bad that we pop open and we have the 30-second verse of the day. 
But what would be even more powerful is to take the 30 seconds to read the verse of the day and then to take five minutes and reflect on what that verse might actually mean to you. How you can apply it in your own life. How you can align your own life to it. There's this idea of reflecting on the word of God, on properly applying it. You know, the psalmist approached God's word not as a textbook, the psalmist approached God's word as a means in which he sought to encounter God himself. Look at how he writes in Psalm 119, verse 11, he says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And right before that, he says, I've tried so hard to find you, God. Don't let me stray. Don't let me stray from your commands. There's this idea that he's approaching God's word to seek God himself. Not just to read it as a textbook that gives us historical information, but to read it as a means to encounter the God who authored it for himself. When we reflect on scripture, it's not just to memorize his word, it's to encounter his person. It's to encounter the nature and the ways and the thoughts of God in a way that would transform our lives. See, as you read about the Bible, here's what I found. It doesn't always impact me in the moment, but the reflection process has a way of getting the word of God planted in me in a way that he's able to use it to shape my life later. Let me tell you a story. Um, when I was a brand new Christian, I gave my life to Jesus in 2005. I was a young adult. And uh, man, my, my life was very broken. I was so passionate for Jesus. I'd been forgiven. God was moving in my life in a powerful way. I took a job in Boise. I was living in Nampa, took a job in Boise, and I would commute into work every day early in the morning. And I would love watching the sun come up, and I would spend, you know, my time with Jesus. And I, I had a little bit of road rage. I have less road rage now, but I had quite a bit of road rage then. Come on, somebody. A matter of fact, it got so bad, um, my wife bought me a little visor clip, a little visor clip that had just like an encouraging little quote on it. It was like, smile, Jesus loves you, or something like that, like just a reminder. But that would be kind of be my time with the Lord. And I remember I, I, I came into this time in my walk with God where I was really struggling in my faith. I'd been, I'd radically encountered Jesus. I'd given my life to him. I knew God was real. I knew he'd, he'd, he'd broke me out of all kinds of bondages and addictions. And I came from a very dark past and party scene and drugs and all this stuff. And God saved me and set me free and was transforming my life. But the way God had met with me was not the way God was meeting with me now. I couldn't find his presence the same way. It was like, man, what I'd always sensed God in a certain way, and he wasn't that way anymore. I was always able to find God, you know, in the scripture a certain way, and I couldn't find him that way. He wasn't answering my prayers the same way. And I remember I was having this crisis of faith, like, God, are you there? Do you see me? Are you even real? Like, like do you know what I'm going through? And, and I'll never forget, I was driving to work, and I was at this moment where I was like, God, if you don't do something, I don't know if I'm going to make it, like, as a believer, like something is drastically wrong. And I'll never forget, I was driving in and I'm having this conversation with God and I'm like, where are you? Do you even care about what I'm going? Are you even here, God? And it was, as if, it was as if this eruption happened deep down in my spirit. And I heard this come up from deep down inside of me. I heard this verse, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, Acknowledge me and I will direct your path. It was like an audible voice almost erupted out of my spirit. And I wasn't even a good enough, like I didn't know the Bible very well. I was a brand new believer. But I, I thought about it, I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. That just came out of me like a volcano. And so I start processing it and I thought, where did that even come from? And as God is my witness, I had this memory come back to me in the moment of when I was like 10 years old, my mom got tired of me being home all summer and kicked me out to this little Nazarene church in Nampa to go to a vacation Bible school. And I remembered that they had had us memorize this verse and write it down on this little craft project and we all brought it home to our mom like, hey, look at this ugly little thing I made for you, you know? But it had Proverbs 3, verse five and six inside of it. And the Lord showed me something in that moment. He showed me that because that word had been hidden in my heart, he was able to draw on it many years later. This was over a decade later. The Lord was able to draw this scripture out of my spirit like, like, a, like a volcano when my faith was at a critical moment. 
And it was as if faith just exploded in me and I went, you know, I'm trusting in my own understanding. What I need to do is trust in the Lord and not my own understanding. I need to acknowledge him and trust him that he's going to guide me and direct me. And it was as if that season of loneliness and abandonment and questioning God broke off my life in 30 seconds. And all of a sudden, I was in a place of faith, and God led me through that into bigger and greater faith. He's done it a dozen more times, and I know he'll do it again until I see Jesus face to face. But it wasn't because... It, was, it wasn't because I just had a scripture. It was because it had been in my heart. And you've got to understand that God wants to build your life, not just through something you read for 30 seconds, but through something you've hidden inside of your heart. There's such thing as the word of God that gets implanted into you. Matter of fact, um, James, in James chapter 1, he gives us this gentle little Pastor James moment. Don't get mad at me. You can get mad at James. He says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Wow, thanks, Pastor James. And humbly accept the word of God that he has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your soul. And I realized something in that moment. I realized how important it was that we get the word of God deep down inside of our lives. Because, and this is worth writing down, some of you need to catch this today, the miracle that you need tomorrow will actually come from the word that you hide today. You might not sit down to read your Bible every day and go, wow, this was just an amazing time in God's word. It changed my life forever. But the miracle you will need tomorrow is going to come from the power of hiding God's word in your heart today. And so even as we go through the summer and the Psalms, I want to encourage you, don't just take the five minutes to read your Bible, but take the, take an extra five to 10 minutes to reflect upon that word that, that, and and God, what are you, what are you speaking? Let me recite, let me repeat it. Let me get it deep down into my heart. Let me process how I need to align my life with that. What is it speaking to me? See, it's important because Jesus taught that that reading the word of God is, is like sowing seed. And, and, and when the word of God is sown into our lives, we become a sower sowing the seed of the word of God into our own lives. Every time you read God's word, you're sowing the seed of God's word into your own lives. And here's what Jesus said, that seed needs attention. And you can't just sow seed and let it land however it lands, but expect this like amazing harvest to come up out of it. And just expect it to grow and bear fruit and be all that it needs to be. Jesus said when we read the word, it's as if we sow the word into our own heart. Now, if I just took seed and threw it on some ground and just walked over to it and just kind of stomped on it and packed it into dry dirt. I mean, it's probably not going to grow anything amazing. But to be honest with you, even in my own life, I have somehow treated the word of God like that in times past. Where you just, your heart's not even ready to receive. You, you just kind of read a verse for 30 seconds and you move right on. And the next thing you know, you're, you're just popping open your, your, your Facebook or social media or whatever it is you're doing. And, and it's just drama. Or you open up the news and it's just drama. Or you check your email and it's just more drama. And you've sown some seed, but then immediately you're just like throwing dirt on the top of it. It's like, man, I've sown some seed over it, but I didn't, I didn't make sure I was actually preparing my heart to actually get that hidden in there, planted in there. Have you ever read your Bible and then you walked away and 30 seconds later, as God is your witness, you couldn't repeat one scripture you read that entire morning? If somebody offered you a million dollars, you could not repeat the scripture that you, that you read that morning because you, you read it, but then you just walked away from it. And you jumped on everything else, all the stuff and all the kids and all the, all the work and all the school and all the stuff. And it's just boom, 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 all this other stuff. And it chokes out the word of God from actually being able to be effective in your life. But reflection allows it to be planted deep down into our hearts. If you can read God's word and not remember a single thing you read five minutes later, it was sown, but it wasn't planted. It was sown, but it wasn't hidden. And so we want to reflect on God's word, knowing it helps us to plant his word deep in our heart. Number three, I want you to write this down. We need to recite God's word in our life. 
We need to recite it. The psalmist says in 119.13, I have recited aloud all the regulations that you've given to us. See, when I was a brand new Christian, I remember I would hang out with all these Christians and they were always like, well, you know, the Bible says about this. You ever been around somebody that's like always talking about what the Bible says? Now, listen, when I, again, I, I got, I, I came to Christ when I was like a young adult. And remember, the only scripture I had was like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and I didn't even remember where it came from, okay? So I'm hanging out with all these people, and, and, and you find that these Christians are like, well, you know, here's what the scriptures say, or here's what God says in his word, and here's what, and I'm like, man, these people really love the Bible. They're talking about the Bible all the time. It was kind of intimidating. I'm like, I don't know much about the Bible, but these Christians, they really, they really like the Bible. You know what I found? The longer I follow Jesus and the more I serve God, the less I really care what anyone else has to say about something and the more I really want to know what God has to say about it. (laughs) The less I want human wisdom and the more I want God's wisdom. Because God has a lot to say about just about everything we're going through in our life. And the word of God is powerful. And just like all these other people I grew up around in the faith, I've become one of those people where I, I don't necessarily want to hear what, I don't want to quote some, you know, famous philosopher, this and that. I just want to know what does God's word have to say about the situation I'm in. More and more, Amanda and I just get to a place where we're like, God, here's what we're going through. Here's your word. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to declare your word over what it is that I'm going through. I want to speak your word over my kids, your word over our ministry, your word over our church, your, your word. Here's what God says about it. Because you know, God will always perform his word. He's not required to perform your word, but he has bound himself to his word. He will perform his word. It will never not produce what God sends it to produce. So when you declare the word of God, when you, when you read the word of God, when you say the word of God into your situation, your circumstances, and into your life, you are releasing God's power and his promises into your everyday life. <clears throat> It's powerful. God's word is so much more powerful than our word. How many say amen? Amen. When I don't know what to pray, I just pray God's word. When I don't know what to say, I just say God's word. I say God's word into my circumstances and situations, into every area of my life. You want to speak the word of God, recite the word of God. Remind yourself what God has said about your life and your future. Number four, I want you to write this down. Not only do we want to recite it, But listen, we want to rejoice in the word. I want to share my heart with you for just a moment. And I want you to know this doesn't come from a place of criticism. I love God's church. And nobody standing in this pulpit will ever criticize the body of Christ. But I want to warn us about something. Because I'm seeing something more and more and more prevalent. And it's happening even from pastors and ministers, some with global platforms and big voices into the body of Christ as a whole. And I'm seeing this reoccurring pattern of of men and women of God that are getting to a place where we will apologize for what the word of God has to say about something that's happening in our culture, in our life, or in our world. Where there's almost this apologetic tone. Well, it's like, I mean, I wish the Bible didn't say what it said about. I wish the scripture, you know, was a little more lenient about. I I wish there was a little more wiggle room about. I, I wish there was. And we're getting to this place where we're almost apologetic many times for what the word has to say. Just because the world doesn't align with the word, we've become apologetic about what God has to say. And in doing so, we've sided with the world over the word of the living God regarding something that has happened or is happening. And I just wanna say something. I'm not sorry for anything God has to say in the word of God. I'm not sorry for what the Bible has to say. I'm not sorry for God's rule and God's law. I'm not sorry for his ways and his will. And I want to say something that could seem strong, but it's important. To apologize for God's word is to apologize for God. Because God is not separate from his word. He's not separate from what he has spoken to us. His word, his decrees, his precepts, they are part of who he is. And I'm not sorry for who God is. I'm a person that lived a life outside of God's will and God's way. And can I just tell you, God's way is better than our way. 
If God said to do it this way, it is a better way. If God spoke it and designed it this way, it is a better way that will lead to life and will lead to blessing. And we are not to apologize for God's way. We are to stand on God's way. We we are to love God's way. We are to cherish what God has said, knowing that what God has said reflects who God is. It reflects who God is. To celebrate and honor God's word is to celebrate and honor God himself. I'm thankful for his word. I'm thankful for his way. Can I even say this? I'm thankful for the boundaries of God's word. I'm thankful that God says, you go this far and no more. You don't do this until this happens. You live your life this way. You handle your life, your time, your family, your husband, your wife. You handle your money. You handle your prayer life this way. Because God's ways lead to God's blessings. God's ways lead to the abundant life that God has for us. You you don't have to live this life for very long to know if you keep doing things the way everybody else is doing them, you're not going to like the result. And you know, one of the things I'm thankful for is the day and age that we're living in today, the church is actually starting to look attractive again. (laughs) People used to say, well, the church is weird. We're not weird, but we're different. We should be. But now the world's getting so weird, the church looks normal. People are starting to go, I literally talked to a young man today that he goes, my friends are telling me, I'm going to start going to church again. It's weird out there. I'm thankful for what God has to say. I'm thankful that his ways lead to life. I'm not sorry for what the word of God says. I love God's word. I love God's way. I cherish God's word. We will preach God's word. We will stand on God's word and believe God's word. Even if the whole world turns against the church, the church will stand on the word of God and believe that every single word came from his mouth and is tied to his heart. It's tied to his heart. Isaiah 66 verse 2 says, my hands have made both the heavens and the earth, and, and, and they and everything in them is mine. That's what God said. And he said, I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts and who tremble at my word. In other words, who revere my word, who don't look out and say, oh, man, people are going to get mad because we believe this. Well, it was all God who authored it anyway. Well, you know, historically the church believes this about marriage. Where did marriage come from? Well, you know, the church believes this about gender. Where did gender come from? Well, you know, the world believes this about about sexuality. Where did sexuality come from? Think the devil invented sex? Er, wrong. God did. And how many know the author has something to say about his own creation? I don't know about you, but I like to read the manual on something important. Come on. You, you buy a new, you ever seen, you seen those videos going around where like, especially you daughters don't do this to your dads. Wives do not do this to your husbands, but where they're calling their husbands and they're like, hey, I put the green gas in the car today and I don't know what's happening. And the dads are like, what? You know, they're freaking out. What car are you driving? I'm driving the Mustang. The Mustang! Oh my God, you know, they're losing their junk, you know, on the phone. And I was like, that is evil. That is evil. Do not do that. But, but how many know that whoever invented the thing has a say in what it takes to run it properly? In the best way, the optimum performance. And we can either, listen, church, this is, this is in our face now. Where we either have to say, I've hidden your word, God, in my heart that I might not live a life that is contrary to your will and your way for me. 50 years ago, this was a normal thing. Now suddenly it's controversial to say we actually believe the Bible no matter what anybody else says. I don't know about you, but the B-I-B-L-E is still the book for me. I've never aligned my life with the word of God and went backwards. I've never aligned my life with the word of God and not experienced the abundant life that God has for me. And friends, we've got to get it in our lives. We've got, to, we've got to get this to a place where we rejoice in God's word. We're not apologetic. Where we can talk to our friends and go, absolutely, I believe that. You know why? Absolutely, I stand on that. You know why? Absolutely, this is where I, I line up with God's word. Do you know why? And not apologize for it. You know, everyone else is allowed to have their beliefs and nobody questions it. 
But somehow people can attack us and our God and our Jesus and his word, and we roll over like we don't even care. If people came up to me and talked about my wife the way some people talk about Jesus and his word, they'd get some five-fold ministry. And yet we'll, 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 people will slam Jesus and his word and his way when he's our God. He created us. He saved us. He redeemed us by his blood. He gave his life for you that you could experience the abundant life that's found in God. And his way and his, his precepts, they lead to life. We don't want to roll over and just die. we got to be Christians with a backbone in our life that say, no, I don't apologize for who God is. I don't apologize for God's word and God's way. I'm going to stand on God's word, and I'm going to love it and follow it, even if the whole world thinks I'm crazy. If you're with me, shout amen. I'm going to give you my last thought, and I've got to get you out of here. I want you to write this down. Not only, not only do we rejoice in the word, but we do the word. We want to do the word. If you want to get God's word in your heart, you've got to be a doer of it. Let me go back to old Pastor James. Um, he, gets, he gets a little less ornery as you read on. James chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, he says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, oh, isn't that a great way to describe the word of God? The perfect law that sets you free. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God himself will bless you for doing it. That's a powerful promise. You know, I was, I was studying this and processing this today. And two things jumped out at, at my uh, two things jumped out at my heart regarding this passage because I, I love that James is James is encouraging people to love the perfect law of the Lord that sets you free, and he's doing so in the midst of a whole society where religion was more marked by knowing a lot about God but not knowing God Himself. Do you realize that Jesus was not crucified by a bunch of crazy government officials? He was really crucified by the religious community of his day. And Jesus said this about, by the way, these, the, the, the group specifically was called the Pharisees. They were more of your like common man's church at the time. These people from the time they were children would have memorized pretty much most of what we know today as the old covenant, the whole Torah, the law and the prophets. They would have memorized them. They could recite to you the entire Torah from memory. The, the law and the prophets literally pointed to Jesus. They had memorized the whole Bible, but they couldn't recognize the one it was written about. They couldn't recognize the one it was pointing to. They could not see that the, the man standing in front of them, the God-man Jesus Christ, was actually what the whole thing was about. And Jesus actually said that you're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside. You've got everything memorized on the outside, but you don't, it's never transformed your heart. It's never gotten down into you in a way that brought transformation. So you got it up here, but it's not in here. And so James is now talking to the believers and he's saying, hey, this is the perfect law of the Lord that sets you free. And, and if you read the word and you, even if you memorize it and all this, but you walk away and you don't actually do it, which, by the way, that's what Jesus criticized the religious people of the day. He's like, you know all this stuff, but you don't actually act on the heart of the word. You're missing the point of the word. You've got the religion part down, but it, you, you've denied it the power to actually transform who you are so that you might live a godly life that pleases the Lord. And so James is saying this. He's saying if you look in this thing, and then you walk away and you don't do anything that it says, it's as if you saw yourself, listen to what he says, it's as if you saw a reflection of yourself and you walk away and you forgot who you are. That's a weird thing to say, James. What do you mean by that? Listen, two, two things I want you to catch and I'm gonna pray for you and we're gonna dismiss. I need you to catch this. First of all, when you know what God's word says, you know what to do. 
I run into so many believers, they just don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They're so panicky. There's so much fear and anxiety about the future or their life or their marriage or their children or their jobs or all these things. Listen, God's word has so much to say about what you're going through. And if you know what God says, you know what to do. We've got we've to look into this thing and, and let it reflect back to us a knowledge that guides us. But more than that, I want you to see something. Because James actually says, it's like you forget what you look like. It's like you forget who you are. Because it's easy to get up here and be like, you know, we're Christians, we read our Bible. And I don't know about you, but I have a hard time sticking with anything for my whole life that's just done out of discipline. I just grit down and read the Bible because that's what Christians do. That's what good church-going Christians do. We read our Bible and then we go out and we do what it says. Raw, raw, raw. That sounds like a Pharisee to me. Listen to what he says. He says, it's, it's as if you look into a mirror and you see who you are. It reflects back to you who you really are when you look into the Word of God. Now, some of you, even right now, I can feel it in the room. As soon as I said it reflects back who you really are, some of you go, yeah, it's going to show me how much of a failure I am. It's going to show me how, how, how full of sin and wickedness I am. And show me how far my life is. Yeah, well, that's why I don't want to get in the Bible because it's going to tell me. Listen, yeah, it does reveal to us where our shortcomings are. It does reveal to us where we need to bring change. But can I give you another perspective? It also reveals to you who God has created you to be. Because this is a book of God's purpose and promises for you. And when you look into the perfect law of the Lord that sets you free, you begin to see what God has done for you how much God loves you, how much what Jesus paid for on the cross has redeemed and forgiven you. You begin to see that you are not just a normal person, but you have been redeemed by God, that you are his chosen people, that you are a royal priesthood, that you are a special group, that God has a divine purpose for your life, that you have the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of you. You begin to see identity and purpose and promise coming out of this book. So when I get into this book, I don't see who I was or what I've done as much as I see who God has made me to be. I begin to see the perfect picture of God's ultimate purpose for my life come to pass. And so I want to get in this book, not just so I can buckle down and read it and then get out there and be a good Christian and do what the Bible says. I want to get inside this book so that every lie the devil has spoken over my life can be overridden with the truth of God's word. I want to get into this book so the devil can't convince me that I'm who I used to be. I'm a new creation. You're a new creation. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. The world is not stronger than you. You are stronger than the world. You have the spirit of the living God in you. You've been selected by God. You've been redeemed by him. You're not orphans. You're sons. You're not weak. You're powerful. You're not guilty. You are redeemed if you've trusted in Jesus Christ. And when you get into the perfect law of the Lord, you begin to see who God is and what God's done. And you you look inside of that and catch this please before you go because when you know who you are then you know what to do and the greatest thing you can ever do is to live out God's word not because it's just that's what the Bible says but it's because it's part of your identity in God that you've been made to be his son made to be his daughter and that's who I am and because I know who I am I know what to do because I know I belong to Jesus that's why I go live for him because I know what God's done for me that's why I go love the world the way I do it's because I've been forgiven that I forgive it's because I've been set free that I serve it's because God's been generous to me that I'm generous to his church I know who I am and so I know what to do this is God's heart for you I want you to stand up all across this room I got our prayer team is going to come forward right now I want to make them available to you to just minister to you and pray for you today if you're here today and you need prayer for anything at all we want to pray with you we want to minister to you if you're discouraged, if you're sick, if you're hurting, we'd love to partner with you in prayer. We'd love to anoint you with oil and pray the prayer, pray the prayer of faith over your life. Because we believe what the Bible says. That God's not weak, he's strong. I wanna pray for you today. I wanna pray 
The same prayer I'm praying for our nation. Not, I love miracles. I love signs and wonders. I love the manifest presence of God. I, I love that. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of that in the world. There's a lot of that in the church. Here's the revival I'm praying for right now. I'm praying not just for a revival of the supernatural and the gifts of the Spirit and all those things. I'm praying for a revival in the hearts of God's people that they would hunger and love and stand upon unapologetically the word of the living God. That we would become, yes, spirit people, but we would also become word people again. That we would develop a a spiritual backbone that would say even if the whole world turns on God and his word, I will stand with God and I will stand with his word and I will believe what he said and I will live in it because it's who I am. It's who God's made me to be. Because I know who I am, I know what to do. And I'm praying that God would ignite a revival in our hearts that we would long for his word again. That we would want to know what God says more than what any commentator or influencer or blogger or newscaster or any intellectual pontificate that's out there trying to say what they believe. I want to know what God says. I want a revival and let's go back to the word of God and do things God's way. And so if you're here today and you just say, Pastor Jordan, would you pray for me? I I just need God to do something, maybe ignite a fire. I just need some help. I I love Jesus, but there's just something about, I don't know, I'm struggling with his word. I want to pray for you today. And I just want to pray that God would ignite a fire in your heart for his word and that we would leave here hungry and thirsty for what God says and who God is and who he's revealed himself to be in the word of God. So if you're here, just lift your hands to heaven right now. I want to pray for you all across this room. Father God, right now, I thank you for your goodness. And I thank you, Lord, for who you are. And I thank you that you've given us your word, that it's amazing, that it's precious. God, that it's powerful to us, that it reveals your character, it reveals your nature, it reveals your son, it reveals so much of what you've done for us and you've offered to us. And God, I pray right now for just a hunger to erupt in the hearts of your people, that God, we would be word people, knowing that you are not separate from your word. You are the word, and we thank you, God, that you are one with your word. And so, God, we love your word. I pray a strength over your people. I pray a boldness over your people. I pray a courage over the hearts of your people, that we would be people that unapologetically love the word of God and love the people in our world, and that we would bring the word of God to them, not compromising, but standing strong, knowing, Lord, that your word is part of who you are, and we love you, and we long to know you more. So God, give us a hunger and a thirst for your word that would only be able to be satisfied by being in it, by hiding it in our hearts, by spending time in it daily and reflecting over it deeply. God, make us a deep church. Make us a deep people. Give us a hunger for who you are. So God, ignite a revival in the word of God, in the hearts of the people here today, and everyone watching online. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody shouted, amen.